Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, the Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SC Microphones. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keeler. He's best known for a Prairie Home Companion, which ran on public radio for over 40 years. Keeler will be at the Greenwich Odium on April 21st at 8 p.m. Hello, may I speak to John Fusick, please? This is John. Well, good, good. This is Garrison Keeler calling you as arranged, as scheduled. I'm two minutes late. That's okay. I'm glad you called. Thank you for calling. Of course. So, you're going to be at the Greenwich Odium on April 21st, so I figured I'd talk to you and see what's up with you and see what we're going to do with the show and... Now, what's going on with you? Um, we'll that's, just, a lot of, that's a lot of territory to cover. We'll um, just have a lot of chit-chat. We'll see what, you know, we'll see where it takes us. We'll be loose and loosey-goosey. <laughs> all right. Okay. I thought we should start with Senator Whitehouse. Okay, we can do that. He was the one bright moment in the entire Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, Sheldon Whitehouse of he, Rhode Island. He usually is. He's a sane man. He was man. just amazing. And in the midst of all of the buffoonery and trashiness going after that good woman, he gave her a break and, uh, and he gave a profound speech about the influence of the Federalist Society and the hidden money that goes into it. It was such a moment, a, a truthful moment, that no Republican bothered to respond to it. Well, their responses just, usually would be foolish anyway, because they would just probably hold up the kid's book and say, why is your kid a racist or something like that. It was amazing. And I thought to myself, what is the chance of this man running for president in 2024? It would be nice. I don't know. I don't know if he has the, the popularity and the note worthiness to i mean he does in rhode island you know nationwide it would be this man had such intelligence and dignity and grace and also a slight sense of humor i just i just admired his his moment anyway enough <laughs> of that well it seems like i i just you know i didn't have as much time as i'd like to usually prepare for my interviews but i would just because this came up pretty quickly um <laughs> Well, it went back and forth, and I didn't know when it was actually going to happen. So I was, you know, I've had some other things yeah. going on in life, like life has not of been course. nice lately. But um, well, let's, talk about, let's talk about you and what you got going on. Oh, my cat is dying, and I've been dealing oh, with it. So it's, it's just been oh, a geez. devastating couple of days I've been dealing with trying to feed him and keep yeah, him comfortable yeah. and such. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I did no. read, I did read uh, one of your last musings on your website and it was about the twitterization not polarization of the country and it was christian <laughs> versus democrat so that kind of seems like in the same vein of what we were just talking about so let's go there why don't we talk about that um that column that little piece mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. greenwich is right outside of providence right is it a is it a suburb of providence it is it's about maybe 15 minutes from prop well everything's 15 uh -huh. minutes from providence pretty much 
<laughs> it's Rhode Island, where where this little as as somebody once put, we're a smudge on the road to Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm from Minnesota, but I live in New York now, and uh, so my wife and I are going to drive up there to Greenwich for that show um, on the 21st. You can't and drive anymore, though, correct? I don't drive anymore because I have double vision. Yes, I, I just read uh, I read about that. That's that's a shame. Uh, well, I don't know. It's just odd, and um, but it is what it is. I turn 80 in um, August, so I've oh. got about four. And uh, but I'm feeling great, and um, and I've been doing some solo shows in addition to some with musicians. I'm doing a big uh, series of Prairie Home Companion, uh, you know, with a band and actors and guests and so on uh, this summer. But I love this. I love this solo show, and um, I did. I, I've, I've been doing a few of them, and and it's just all joke and story. It's um, very apolitical the premise is my premise is that this is the most confusing disturbing time in this country in my lifetime i was around during the cuban missile crisis and the vietnam war of course and and all but this is beyond any of them there has never been anybody in our history like donald trump no and that's and um (laughs) And, and, you know, glaciers melting and, and the sea rising and so on. I mean, we all know this. And Ukraine, you know, this, this moment of brutal reality in the news that just is unavoidable. Right. But with all of this going on, I feel more and more strongly that comedy is crucial to who we are and to our survival. And so I do not go out and preach, though there is ever more to preach about. I avoid it religiously, and I want to give people a break from the stress that people are under and just go out and make people laugh. Well, and the levity of laughter so I, is, is, is what we need, and that's why comedy is, is is a good thing. But the problem is is that some people, you know, they're just getting very thin-skinned about comedy as well, and that's, that's a problem. Well, I don't go out and make fun of people who, you know, women who've lost their hair. I don't, uh, you know, I don't do uh, sharp jokes i i love old old jokes uh i've always loved them i grew up in a fundamentalist evangelical family and they looked down on comedy except my mother <laughs> she loved uh george burns and gracie allen jack benny uh, red skelton you know jack parr johnny carson she loved all of the tv comedians lucille ball she loved more than anybody else <laughs> and um and it was so irregular for a devout fundamentalist to love comedy. But I inherited that from her. And um, so when I go to Greenwich, that's what, I'm, that's what I'll do. And then during the intermission, we have a standing intermission. Uh, people will stand and we will sing together a cappella, just run through a whole series of 
songs, whatever comes to mind, uh, we'll do My Country Tis of Thee and America the Beautiful, and uh, and we may sing a couple of hymns or two, or going to the chapel and we're going to get married, or, uh, you know, swing low, sweet chariot, uh, you know, I'm climbing Jacob's Ladder, um, Frankie and Johnny, whatever we think of, and, um, and uh, in my life, um, and then I'll tell some stories. So the um, the stories you'll be telling them will they be uh, musings from your website, new stories from your books, uh, from Prairie Home Companion, Lake Wobegon, such guy noir. True stories about uh, <laughs> Lake Wobegon. True stories that happened to me. The interesting thing about being on the verge of turning eighty is that certain episodes in your life, usually way back, way back in your childhood and teens, are, are utterly clear in your mind. I don't remember much of anything from my 60s. My wife is astonished by my lack of memory of vacations and Prairie Home Companion cruises and, and shows and the trip we took to uh, Vienna and uh, Stockholm and I just don't remember them but I remember um, when I was kicked out of shop class <laughs> in the 8th grade and I was sent up to speech class I remember it, it so distinctly and um, I remember walking down the street when I was a kid and a girl named Julie Christensen asked me if I would like to wrestle. And uh, I was probably 12, she was 13. And uh, it was a powerful moment. No girl had ever shown any sort of interest in me. And um, I spent my boyhood avoiding bullies. Mm. I was a coward and, um, and I stayed out of fights. Well, I tried to do that as well, but it, sometimes they find I tried to find they find you as well, and it's funny because that's kind of where where my mind goes these days too. I, I'm uh, turning sixty one, and that's you know it's for some reason my mind has kicked into that nostalgic mode of thinking of that time of my life as well. I don't know what happens. It must be a, a biologically mental thing that triggers something in your body that you start reminiscing about or i don't even know if it's reminiscing but your mind starts being flooded with old memories and and yes i can't remember not, what happened yesterday but it's not nostalgia <coughs> it, it's clarity and hmm. and I recall these things with astonishing clarity, and uh, and then other things are simply are simply gone. And these are things that are these are these are memories of wonderful good fortune. These are not traumatic; they're the opposite of traumatic. And and uh, and and they seem to me to be moments when my life changed hmm. and turned in a different. Um, in a different direction. When I got in trouble when I was a little kid for stealing money, and my aunts were amused by this, it was revelatory to me that 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 you could do wrong, but but but, but there was something about it that was comical. The first dirty joke I read, and I laughed out loud at it. <laughs> I, who had been brought up fundamentalist laughed out loud at a it was a limerick actually um there was a young man of madras whose balls were made out of brass 
he could clang them together and play stormy weather as lightning came out of his ass. And I sat in the library reading this out of a library. I laughed out loud. Oh, nowadays they'd probably pull that from the library. Oh, it would never be in the junior high school library, but it was. It was a it was a big, thick book of limericks, many of them filthy, and uh, you know the old man of Nantucket and so on. <laughs> and um, now you've written a book of limericks, haven't you? I have. Yes, um, some of them modestly dirty, but not not really. Um, would you share one with me? A young fellow from Pocatello said, why is my urine bright yellow? Was it something I ate or could it be Kate whom I dated on Saturday? Hello. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there was an old man of Bay Ridge who cried out, son of a bitch. I got up in the night and on came the light and I find I have pissed in the fridge. <laughs> You know, just juvenile. But they're clever. I mean, they're juvenile, but they're clever. I mean, it, you just can't... A, a limerick is something that it, it takes a little bit of time to work in there because you have to get the uh, the beats down and you have to get the... Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not as simple as it is, as people would think. It's those but, are, it was, but it was really the main contribution of Prairie Home Companion to public radio was bringing in juvenile comedy. The car talk guys came along a little later, and they were very funny. They were wonderful. Um, you're too young to remember them, but... No, but, I remember uh, them. I, I'm oh. not, I do remember them. I used to listen to them. Uh, but, but Prairie Home did a lot of juvenile comedy, and we did a joke show probably two or three times a year, and, and it was full of kids' immature uh, comedy. We didn't use outright obscene words, you know, but uh, but but it was there was nothing sophisticated about it, and uh, and I'm I'm proud of that. It's nothing that anybody ever gives you a lifetime achievement award for, but it's a useful service, you know. Well, laughter <laughs> laughter in any form is good. I mean, it's just you sometimes you just need to release and. You know, sometimes juvenile humor is is what you need. I mean, it's just something simple to laugh at. It's not something that's you know you don't have to think too much about it. It's not well. Sometimes it, it actually can be profound in a in a roundabout way, but it's something that uh -huh. just lets you laugh. And it just sometimes right. it gives right. you a belly laugh. It's so silly. Right, right. And but uh, we're living, we're living at a time when people are terribly, terribly serious. Right. And when there is this dreadful self-righteousness all around us. And I speak as an old Democrat, but it's really prevalent on the left. Mm -hmm. And and it's a genuine, it's a genuine, I mean, political correctness, um, I respect up to a point, and then it becomes just, you know, an, an irritation. My wife and I went to see the opera, Madame Butterfly, last night at the Met, and uh, it was gorgeous, and, and it just brings you to tears. And then during intermission, we talked about the fact that the Boston Opera, a great opera company in Boston, refuses to do Madame Butterfly, because why? Why? 
because because it is disparaging of of Asian people? No, I mean it's not. The villain is is Lieutenant Pinkerton, the 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 American uh, consul, who falls in love with Butterfly and gets her pregnant. She has a child, and then he leaves her. You know, it's it's a it's a white male who is, but but but. There's just this weird political correctness that that is poisoning the atmosphere in the arts. Well, that's going back to the thin-skinned. I mean, people are just triggered by so much things that are... It's basically the triggered by life. They need to be bubble wrapped to, to, in order to survive now. And, and yes. I think... And I'm, I'm finding that people are... I mean, my my parents just experienced Oklahoma, where they they totally wokeified Oklahoma, and yeah. and you know she's very troubled by that because Oklahoma represents a slice of American life that happened way back, and to wokeify it just changes the whole feel of it, and and. I'm a kind of a person that you have to see these things in their natural state in the way they were intended for them to make sense. And and if you don't, if you change things that happened, you know, it's like reverse, it's retroactive fixing of things. It's just, you can't do it and it doesn't make sense and it doesn't work and it it's changing things. Whereas it's, you know, you look forward, you can't change the past, just change the future. I mean, but they're trying to change the past retroactively and it is just messing things up. And it's, it's, I think it's just pissing a lot of people off, which is not a good thing. You should be getting people on your side, not pissing people off. And you know, right. change, change takes a while to happen. It doesn't happen overnight and you have to mm-hmm. ease folks into things. The more you kind of shove things down people's throat, they're going to choke. Yeah. So now there's an awful lot of preaching that's going on, and you know, on the right and on the left, and uh, that's why I want Sheldon Whitehouse to run for president. Well, I'll um, I'll send him an email for you. Thank you. I'll see what I can do. I'll I'll tell him that you would like him. He's a great man. Well, we have a lot of we actually have you know some pretty good people in Rhode Island, being a little tiny state. I mean, we've we've produced some great people. Um, Speaking of Rhode Island, I mean, this is this is going around and talking about ancestry. You have a, a relative, an, a, a, an ancestor, Joseph Crandall, who was an associate of Roger Williams, who Roger Williams was our founding father of Rhode Island, I noticed. Elder John, Elder John Crandall was uh, a founder of the town of Waverly, and um, I think he's buried up there. I, I, I meant to go see him. My wife and I came through Rhode Island and I wanted to stop. He was a, he was a great man who, uh, who, along with Roger Williams, sympathized with the Algonquin and Iroquois people who had been so miserably treated by mm. by colonists and the Puritans of Massachusetts in particular. And uh, he was arrested for preaching um, just outside of Boston, preaching against the witch hunts of Salem. And um, some other people were arrested with him. And somehow he avoided uh, punishment and he made his way to, to back to Rhode Island. But he was a he was a, he was a great man. I'm proud that he was an ancestor of mine. Mm. Yeah, I, anything anyone who has an affiliation of Roger Williams is is good in my book. I'm a fan. I'm a Roger Williams fan. I have a friend who's a he's a park ranger who's very well knowledged in uh, Roger Williams. He actually 
gave me some uh, history when I was writing a song about Roger Williams, and uh, it helped <laughs> out quite a bit. It actually dealt. It actually deals with Roger Williams' body after he died. What happened to it? But well, his body got shifted around quite a bit when he was after oh. he died. So there was a story. There's oh. a whole story behind it that came that came to pl- pass. But you know, it's mm. it's very interesting. They have uh, a lot of uh, Roger Williams National Memorial in downtown Providence. They have uh, copies of his letters on display often and parts of his mm. stuff. So that's. I was very in, I was involved with doing events there for a while, so I became very infatuated with uh-huh. Roger Williams. Uh huh. Uh huh. One of these things I've I've read about. I've read a lot of stuff. From, uh, like I said, I I tried to read read up on you very quickly, but um, I was wondering, and I'm not I'm not asking you this for any kind of anything. I'm just I'm just asking out of curiosity. What's your favorite controversy about yourself? My favorite controversy, I, I have not been that involved in controversy, um, trying to... Well, I read a few. I just didn't know. I just was wondering if you would like to comment on any of the controversies you've had. I'm, I'm happy to comment on, on anything you're curious about. Um, I don't consider myself to be controversial. I, di- I, did a, I did rather sentimental monologues about a small town, and some people took objection took objection to that and felt that I was sentimentalizing I was too nostalgic about small town America and they wanted me to you know to point out uh, injustices done to you know to 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 minorities and and uh, and to native uh, people. I mean, that certainly was true in in Minnesota, but uh, you know, it wasn't my it wasn't my cause, and my my um, my show was aimed at um, you know entertainment and also giving musicians a chance to perform for a larger public. And I was trying to promote acoustic music and uh, and do comedy and. That was, you know, the limit of my ambition. Some people thought I should be more political, and and uh, so I was, you know, I was criticized criticized on that on that basis. But you know, everybody has to make their own choices. Well, you can't. You really can't interject every bit of you know righteousness into everything you do. Sometimes you, you got to take what you do at face value, and if you're just going to share stories and make people laugh and have a good light-hearted time you're not going to put anything that's controversial or you know edgy or changeable into uh or into what you do because it's it's entertainment basically i believe in journalism i believe that journalism uh can save us i really do and uh and 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 i i put my faith in in ambitious journalists, conscientious journalists, so that when you read a well-researched book about the cruelty and racism and, and, the, and the, the outright lying and, and dishonesty of the U.S. government towards uh, Native nations uh, in, in the Midwest and the West, it shakes, it shakes you up. Well, yeah, it does, because and that's true, and that's... Because it's powerful, it's factual, and it's powerful, and you read it, and, and, 
And that's entirely different from me, an entertainer, making some sort of casual remark about about wrongs done to Ojibwe and and Dakota people. Me making casual, you know, remarks about about that is just me, a performer, showing off, uh, you know, showing off my uh, my righteousness, and 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 there's no point to it. There there are books that people have worked years on, and they just shake you to your core if you if you want to put in the work to read them. Right, and a lot of people don't want to put in the work. You know, that's probably why people give you a hard time or give people a hard time about not including it because, you know, they need to, they want to get the word out as best they can about anything, so. Well, you know. public public radio is, you know, there's a, there's a sort of deadly earnestness about it. And there were plenty of people in the, you know, I was in on public radio for 40 years and, and there were plenty of people who wrote in why, you know, can't you use your platform to, you know, to accomplish some good, you know, for justice in our society. And it is such a bullshit question. It is, actually. I, I mean, I, I, I know what I can do. I know what I want to do. It takes a lot of work to do it. And that is to, to make people laugh and and to and to entertain well it seems and, like you're doing that now in these writings on your website it seems like you're getting some points across like that and in, in what i read you were talking about judge ja the judge jackson's hearings and you know the christian mm -hmm. versus democratic the righteousness of them and the polarization mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. such and you know that's now i mean you're getting it out now and, and even if it's in a subtle way even if it's in, in an essay form you're relating to it so maybe it plants some seeds in some folks heads but you know but that's but that's writing online and and and, and people can people can take one look at the column i write and they can see judiciary committee in the first paragraph and and think oh shit i don't need to read this and and put it aside i'm talking about the show that i do and people have paid to buy tickets expecting to have a good time and they come to you know greenwich rhode island and there i am trying to to entertain people right and that's and that's it I mean, that's your, that's what you, I mean, in that aspect, you are an entertainer. In the other aspect, you're a writer, you know, a public figure. I mean, you use it as you can and you do what you can within your own means. And, you know, you, yeah. you push yeah. it to whatever extreme you want to. Some people do, some people don't. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, mm -hmm. like I said, there are people out there whacking people over the head with a hammer, and like I said, change is, is slow, and if you whack people over the head with a hammer, you just piss them off, and sometimes you have to do be subtle about things. It takes a while for people to warm up to ideas. Um, I love writing. I love writers, and, and anybody can, can pick it up just looking at somebody's writing. I love writers who have a sense of playfulness. Hmm a sense of lightheartedness about them. You seem to have and, that in your writing. Well, I, I, I want to, because I grew up, you know, with solemn, righteous people. I, I want to, I want to have that. Life is short, and uh, we, we should enjoy it. Right. And 
I mean, that's it's a it's the biggest cliche of all. But you f- you feel that when you when you get to be this age, you feel gratitude for the opportunities you've had, and you you know you tend to forget the the stupid things that you've done. I've done you know dumber things than anybody else I know. But um, we all have. Everybody has. So don't. I mean, that's one thing you can't knock yourself for because everybody's done stupid things. It's just I have done dumber things than you have, Mister Fuzek. I, <laughs> I will. I will stand toe to toe okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue with it but but we all have i mean we all my real estate my real estate transactions alone (laughs) just i i i should i should be placed under guardianship really all right i'll give you that i'll give you that i had it easier um being born in 1942 i went off to college in 1960 and um a state university, University of Minnesota, tuition was seventy dollars wow. for an academic quarter. Wow. You could put yourself through college working part time in the scullery, and I did. And um, and you could own a car, <coughs> pay for insurance, you know, rent an apartment. I never had to ask my parents for money, and so I never had to ask them to approve of of how I was living my life. And I know people, uh, children of friends who are in their late 20s, early 30s, and they still, they can't find their way as writers, as musicians, and God bless them, they're still trying. But it's so much harder than it was back in the 60s and 70s. Well, I mean, the whole middle class is almost extinct at this point. I mean, greed has wiped out the middle class, and it's just people are, a lot of people are just paid slaves at this point, and mm-hmm. people can't afford it. I mean, college, the, the, for people to go into debt for the rest of their lives to go to college is ridiculous. I mean, I was fortunate enough to go to college and was able to put it on a credit card, and it was low enough that I could put it on a credit card and pay it off. But now you're talking, you know, fifty, a hundred, one hundred fifty thousand dollars to go to college, which is crazy. It's overpriced. <laughs> it is. It is. It's very overpriced for what you eternally get from it. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad. I'm fortunate that I was able to go. Um, my nephew, who is twenty years old, I don't know. He's going to a community college, which Rhode Island has free right now for a certain amount of mm-hmm. time. But mm-hmm. you know, if he wants to continue, he's going to have to pay. And it's even the college I went to has gotten prohibitive financially wise. It's just, it's crazy. So Yale is prohibitive. No, I didn't go to Yale. <laughs> but huh? Yale. Yale is prohibitive. Yes, definitely. You've got a, you've got a Yale accent. I d- well, I'm from Rhode Island. You know, it's close to Connecticut. So, huh. Huh. no, I'm 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 a Rhode Island. I'm a I'm a born and bred Rhode Islander. Whole my my whole life here. So let's let's circle back around and talk about the Odium and what folks can expect at this show. So, because I'm sure when people see Garrison Keeler, they're gonna think. Well, what's he going to do? Is he going to do Prairie Home Companion? Is he going to be Guy Noir? Is he going to sing? Is he going to dance? Is he going to tell jokes? What's he going to do? So let's, let's you know, talk about the show so we can figure out to have people be excited to come out to the show and see you. I'm going to tell jokes. Okay. I'm not going to dance. I'm going to walk back and forth on a stage holding a microphone. Uh, I'm going to sing. Um, I'm going to sing some sonnets. And... Um, 
I'm I'm going to I'm going to sing some jokes, um, and I'm going to tell some stories, and I'm going to stand and sing with the audience d- during the uh, intermission. So you won't actually take a break. You'll just have an intermission, but you won't be taking a break yourself. No need for a break. No, no, no. You don't want to do that when you're 79. It's, uh, <laughs> if you sit down, you might not be able to get back up. So um, so no, I, I, I want to stay out there and have a good time with people. And uh, I hope I can take the microphone down into the crowd we'll see you should be able um, to and uh, and you know walk around and and uh, mix and uh, mix and mingle with with people so will you be around after the show to uh, say hi to folks or of course we have I'm, we have books and such for sale as well i don't think so I, I mean you know people want me to sign their you know napkin or something you can do that but you're, uh, you're not going to bring any books no, to sell no why would i do that I'm, I'm 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 not in the retail business well they can get them on your website right oh they can get them any place okay well i just don't think they should order them from amazon uh, I, you know, I think Amazon is is a monster, and uh, and the, the the conditions you read about in warehouses uh, is just ferocious. And Amazon is resisting uh, union organization. So I'm I'm I wish they would buy them from an independent bookseller. Well, well, especially your stuff. You used to own a bookstore too, didn't you? I did, I did, and I wish I still owned it, but uh, it, uh, I don't know, it was just too much to think about. Well, you you know, you're semi-retired, aren't you? I seem to be busier, actually, than I was before. I write two columns a week. I'm, I'm working on a, I have a novel coming out, uh, Boomtown, and uh, actually I think it comes out in a week or so, and, and I'm working on another book called a salad of ballads, and uh, so so I'm 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 keeping my my hand in. My goal is to avoid receiving a lifetime achievement award, and uh, so far I've I've been successful. Well, you've won other awards. You've won a Grammy, and you many other awards. Grammy though was for an audio book. And that was back when there were so few of them, you know, mm. and established a category of, of Grammys for that. I was nominated once for the Grammy for audiobook, and I stood in line with Al Franken. I was in New York, it was at a big auditorium, and then we saw the black limousines and realized it was the Secret Service and they were bringing Hillary Clinton, who was first lady at the time, um, and she had recorded an audio book of It Takes a Village. And Al looked at me, and he was up for a, a audiobook Grammy, and so was I. And Al said, the fix is in. <laughs> the first lady does not come all the way to New York to sit there and applaud for you or me as we go up and receive the Grammy. No, no, no. So, indeed, that was the case. And, uh, and, we, uh, and we left early. <laughs> I've, I've talked to other people who've been at the Grammys and have won Grammys, and they have all kinds of interesting stories about the Grammys. It's just, yeah, it seems to be something for the very, very, the echelon, the 1% echelon of people. It's not for people who just who really do work and it's more of the fame and fortune class that gets that 
But when you get to be 79, you no longer know who famous people are. Well, I'm getting to that point now where there's a lot of people that I'm seeing names of that I've never heard of. So I'm that there way already. So. There you are. So I read something about you, and I'm not sure if this is true. Again, I, but I read something that said you consider yourself on the autism spectrum. Is that true? People have told, have asked me about this, and I don't know. I, I think I think they are going by, uh, you know, what we used to refer to as shyness. Uh huh. And um, and now they're giving they're giving this this attribute of, of social discomfort. They're giving it, you know, <laughs> more of a of, of a psycho name, hmm. you know. We used to consider it simply a, a you know, a, a part of human nature. Right. And and it's common in the Midwest. I think people people are socially inept. Why do you find Why do you find that there? What do you think? Well, I think that growing up evangelical helps because to make you inept socially because because you're brought up to to look down on other people. Really? Huh. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's you, not you very look, Christian. <laughs> well, it's not absolutely not. But you, but you look down on Catholics and and uh, you know as being as being uh, doctrinally off the off the mark. So, but but I married well, and I married a woman who who is socially because she because she's a musician. What does she play? She plays uh, violin. Nice. And uh, she's a classical musician, and so working as a freelance violinist, you had to get along with everybody you came in contact with. Right. You needed to fit into an orchestra, and and so you you learned how to get along. Hmm. I'm a writer, and writing is a solo occupation. That's that's, that's the difference. It is. It is. It I don't I don't consider it autistic though. Okay. I like I said I didn't get to prepare as much as I would like to normally. I like to read and watch and delve in things more, but unfortunately this week has not allowed me to do that. And no, sounds like it's a terrible week. Yes, it has been. I, I appreciate you taking the time talking to me and and dealing with my lack of lack of knowledge about you. But uh, no, it's very interesting. I'm happy to talk about anything. I've I wanted to talk about Sheldon Whitehouse. Well, that's I'm glad you did talk about it. It will be heard, and people will hear that, and maybe that will prompt him to. Uh, <laughs> maybe that will be the spark that he needs to do what he has to do because somebody needs to step up and take charge. And we, I want to meet that man. I really do. I want to meet him someday. Well, maybe he'll come to your show if he's not in Washington. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he spends a lot of time in Washington. He's not necessarily in Rhode Island, so who knows? Maybe he will be yeah. back. Maybe yeah. you could arrange it in Washington. If you any of your shows down in Washington? Uh, I think I'm going to, yes. Um, I'm going to do one in July at, um, at uh, uh, an open-air theater that's near the Jefferson Memorial. Well, this is where it's, you know, celebrity has its its advantages. You could contact his office and maybe maybe he would just be interested enough to come to your show and chat after the show. You never know. And then you could personally encourage him to run. He's the celebrity. I'm not. But, oh. uh, but I'll, um, I'll get in touch with him. 
You sure. And if you, you know, if you have a hard time, let me know. I'll be glad to help. Thank you. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. It's been a pleasure, pleasure, and an honor to talk to you. I, I used to listen to Prairie Home Companion quite a bit when I was younger and when I actually had a radio in my car back in the days. Uh-huh. When I, I haven't listened to radio since I don't have a radio in my car. I just don't listen to the radio in the car. I like silence now, but yeah. I used to listen to Prairie Home Companion when I was driving quite a bit and enjoyed it quite yeah. a bit. And I thank you for that. And, uh, Thank you, sir. And uh, I hopefully will see you at the Odium on the uh, 21st of April. It, it sounds All like right. it's going to be an enjoyable show. So uh, you have a good rest of your day, and uh, thank you for taking the time out of it to talk. Thank you, sir. Okie dokie. Thanks to Garrison Keeler for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Keeler will be at the Greenwich Odium on April 21st at 8 p.m. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Ray Sale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SC Microphones. Thanks for listening. (laughs) ¶¶